Welcome to Lucia Gabriela TV, the place to be where we learn and explore all we can about love, relationships, sensuality, sexuality, intimacy, and living in our purpose. Today, I have a very special guest with us, and his name is um, Robert Kendall, and I'm going to read to you a little bit about him his story uh, before we dive into this amazing topic that I'm really curious about, which is use the power of jealousy to enhance your sex life. Yeah, I'm so excited. Um, and first of all, I want to say that he had been, uh, he's a very well-known speaker and coach in this area. So I'm like, so, so, so very excited to have him. So, um, this is Robert Bio. Hale is a park football coach, part loving dad, and part a slightly crazed drill sergeant. Robert Kendall has spent the last 16 years helping people re-energize their life and build better relationships through more honest and authentic connection. After building a successful consulting firm in San Francisco, he then took his business acumen and co-founded One Taste in 2004 with Nicole Bayden, taking on the challenge task of bringing conscious sexuality to the mainstream market. Mainstream market. Robert built the company from scratch to a high seven-figure international corporation. He left One Taste in 2014 to start his own consulting firm, helping his small businesses become marketable and profitable. Robert is also an accomplished teacher, coach, and lecturer. He brings his enthusiasm and acumen to his weekly podcast, Tough Love, on subject around relationship, intimacy, communication, and gender dynamic. So, yeah, here we have Robert today. Thank you so much for uh, joining us and saying yes to Gabriela TV to bring you wisdom. And I like you. Let's just dive into this. Very interesting topic. Use the power of jealousy to enhance your sex life. Let's just dive into that. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks so much. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me on your show. Thank you. So, jealousy, like you will think, you know, a lot of people run away from jealousy, right? And you will never even think that jealousy can help you to enhance your sex life. How does that work? Like, <laughs> share a little bit about it. Well, jealousy is one of the, if not one of the most intense emotions, human emotions that we have. So the first thing is, is if you're jealous or have jealous or feel that burning inside of you when you have some relationship to your partner or future partner or someone you have a crush on, just know that your emotions are right. It is a powerful life force. On some level, it is the driver of the continuing of the species. It's part of our dynamics, our human DNA to have jealousy. That said, we are human beings with a frontal cortex, with a brain that can think. And there is a way to uh, modify or modulate your relationship with this powerful emotion to turn it from something that turn, takes you prisoner into something that can actually give you a lot of power. And that takes intention, attention, and also the willingness to expand where you are taught of how to respond to your jealousy. So jealousy is, is something inside of you. It burns inside of you. You know, I, I talk to people, I've, I've done probably about 40, 50 classes on this one topic and people are like you know how what's your relationship to jealousy and pretty much everyone's like i hate it i it i hate that feeling it destroys me it's killer and by the end of the class they see just the possibility that it, they don't have to be a prisoner to it there is a possibility for it to uh use it like a judo throw like you know in judo when someone tries to punch you you can take the energy of their throw and have them toss you. It's the same thing with jealousy. It actually can uh, empower you. And how do people can take um, the jealousy into empowerment? Like, how, where, where do we start? Well, the first thing is just acknowledging that you're human. The second thing is a viewpoint I learned a long time ago that jealousy can be viewed is 90% turn on and 10% exclusion. 90% 
turn on 10% exclusion. Most people, when they feel jealousy, they focus on the exclusion that this, I'm not materially involved in this. I'm not the person touching or I'm not the person flirting or I'm not the person in connection to it. But that's just a viewpoint. That's just a belief system. It's like when your best friend is flirting with this guy and she, you know she's totally happy and she's totally turned on, she's totally lit up, you know, you're happy for your best friend. You're just like, wow, I'm so happy you have that experience. Tell me more. And you kind of feel it in your body and you get excited. But when your partner has the same thing, has the same experience, there's something in our brain that says, oh, this is a limited resource. We're scarce. I have to control this. You go into exclusion and then you try, you go into anger and jealousy. I love this. I'm like, I'm, I'm like tuning in, even though I'm taking notes. I'm, I'm like, I'm like feeling it. And it's interesting because it's funny when you say about jealousy, because sometimes I have, you know, I have been jealous. <laughs> sometimes I like jealousy <laughs> because for me, it's like, I don't know, like when you say 90% turn on and I'm like, yeah, that, that really turned me on <laughs> to be a little jealous. But I don't know, like you said, like it's like empowering uh, emotion, like empowering gift that you may have. And then you have to become like um, based on society, you know, jealous is bad. And then you try to tame that, like tame that energy and and not let it be naturally or like even flurrying. Like even many, many people that I know in the field that we are related uh, in relationships and sexuality and sexuality, they even, they even, some people I've heard that they say like flirting is bad, really, really bad. And I don't know how you feel about that, but for me, like flirting and being sensual and being yourself, like seductive, is kind of like a natural force of all human beings, and it's like a very playful, and also like a kind of turn on. So I don't know if it goes together, like you know, flirting and jealousy and even uh, seductiveness. We could take one step back from the whole thing. So there's many forms of relationship. There's, you know, completely monogamous to a completely open relationship. Let's just have, there's more complexity than that. But let's just, for simplicity's sake, let's say there's monogamy to non-monogamy. And I just want to know from the start for your listeners and for you is that whatever you choose, I believe is right. I don't think monogamy is better than non-monogamy. I don't think non-monogamy is better than monogamy. I think it's really a choice. But what most people do is they don't authentically choose. They let society choose for you. They let their friends or their parents or their religion choose for you. Now, there's a lot of scientific background that basically says monogamy is not the natural state for human beings. Christopher Ryan's Sex at Dawn is, in my opinion, one of the best books out there. There are other books out there, but Christopher Ryan really goes to a biological level and a societal level of why this happens. Monogamy is really based and rather new in the grand scheme of things because it was important for people to understand land rights and to understand secession of possessions. That's one of the biggest reasons monogamy has come into our society is so I would know that the my wife produced my son so I could hand my property down to them with, with um, knowing that. So monogamy is not based really on a biological aspect. It actually is antithetical to a biological aspect because you always, you know, the biological is you want the best combination of genes to produce the healthiest human being so they can survive in the world. It's our imposition of monogamy that's created this choice. Now, people don't choose they go rote and they go based on what they were taught. They were taught, you know, by society. And then all of a sudden there's a little voice inside of them that says, Hey, I'm married to this wonderful man. I'm also feeling attraction for this wonder other wonderful man. I'm even feeling attraction for this wonderful woman. How does that work? Like 
I want to be faithful, but I'm having these feelings. In my perfect world, people would have the opportunity to discuss, not necessarily act upon, discuss their feelings, because then it moves from the secret uh, shadow that uh, we hold inside into an interesting part that you can talk to your partner about. My, my relationship with Morgan, my fiance, we have what's called a monogamy with guest star relationship. Basically, that means that if we're interested, we play with other people together. That's our choice. We don't do it very often. Actually, it's quite rare. But we have the opportunity to talk and discuss and reveal and share where we find attraction with others. And in doing so, she feels free to share all parts of her. I feel free to share all parts of me. And then it's not hidden. It's actually a really great way to know each other. <laughs> I, love, I love when I meet like-minded people <laughs> because pretty much what you describe in your relationship is pretty much how I, I have my relationship with my partner. Like where we allow ourselves to to be free and complete within ourselves first, and be so open and vulnerable to share, uh, you know, our dreams or desires or fantasies and. And if something come out, it will come out, like you said, like star guest. <laughs> if it comes up, it will come up or not. But it's like you said, it's very rare because sometimes, like, even just having a uh, star guest is, like, it's so exclusive and so, like, people have to be like-minded. They have to be, like, in that energy. It's not, like, I would say, like, they have to be pre-qualified. It's not even, like, oh, I'm just going to go to the street and I'm, like, oh, I like that girl. But there's, like, a lot of... Um, as a couple, there's a lot of dynamic and a lot of talk, conversation, where it's coming from. And yeah, I, I love what you just said. I am fascinated to, um, what is the book again that you mentioned about Christopher Ryan? Like, Sex at Dawn. Which one? Sex at Dawn. Okay. Sex at Dawn. And it's fascinating when you mentioned that, um, what I got of that is, that monogamy is not biological, but it, it was had been created to what I took it was the word control, like to have monogamy and control my lineage, control where my properties go, control everything. So I come from a place of of, of control, which is is um, do you feel like it is some aspect is something? It's not natural, like to really have, it's like come from a place of evil, I feel it. Well, there's a couple things in there that I have noticed. The first is that we live in a society of scarcity. Mm -hmm. We don't live in a society of abundance. When I was growing up and I was in competition with the other boys in my class for the attention, the scarce attention of the girls we fancied. So we grew up believing that if I, if she picked me for a dance, for a date, for a makeout, to be a boyfriend, girlfriend, that limited everyone else from having the opportunity from having that experience. Now, no one in my high school class got married. You know, one or two people I think dated throughout high school. Most people dated for oh, two weeks, three weeks, a month, a couple of months. And so, but we had this mindset, once that a boy and a girl, or a girl liked a boy, then there was no possibility to get her attention. So in my world, where I grew up, there's scarcity. We grew up believing that there were limited resources. There's limited resources, amount of love, sex, attention, et cetera, et cetera. The second piece attached to it is that I grew up in a world where we look externally for validation. If I'm dating a hot woman, then my life is good. It doesn't matter if we like each other. As long as I'm having sex or have this woman on my arm, I feel good about myself, external validation. What I've done in the work for myself personally for the last 18 years of personal development is one, 
I've learned that there's abundance in the world. If I get rejected by an attractive woman or someone I liked a lot, I'll be sad for a period of time. But then, lo and behold, someone else is going to pop up that's probably better for me. So in the breakup or in the rejection of that woman, I didn't believe that I was going to be alone forever. I just said to myself, okay, this is the right thing. I'm going to be okay. And then I magnetized actually someone who's better for me. And I've also learned to self-validate. I've learned the incredible power of saying, I am awesome just by myself. I am awesome with my own company. I am awesome in my own relating. And this presence and confidence and strength is actually extremely attractive to women because women don't like needy guys. Oh, yeah. So from having both those viewpoints turned, and I can tell you it was not an easy turn. It was a lot of work. I then magnetized a woman who is by far the most amazing partner, the most fun, and the best match for me I ever thought was possible. Yeah. Um, when I was driving uh, to set up for our interview, I was like, um, while you've been talking about I am awesome and you know feeling complete within yourself sometimes like people will say the way i you know i don't I, i'm not complete i need to do these or go to these places and to complete myself or i need this person to complete me or complete my life and i always feel that is like we all are complete totally we just forget that we're complete <laughs> and the feeling of, that we forget that we're complete um it will make us feel like we are not complete and and I love that you are, you're bringing that into the core of, of this, that we need to start feeling and, and embodying and, and accepting and recognizing and, and honoring that we are awesome, that we are who we are, that we complete. And from that place of, of fullness, remembering that fullness within ourselves, we can attract an amazing partner because we will attract somebody who also feel and remember they are complete and that way we it's easier the dynamic of a relationship it's easier right like it's not so much of that uh fiery dance where you're dealing with people who are needy and 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 all that so when it comes to jealousy When when it becomes like when it becomes like in your awareness that you have been working in this um, in this field, when do you feel the jealousy become too toxic? Well, let me say one thing before I answer that question uh, to to your really important point. It's not just that we forget; it's that society reminds you and enforces on you that you're not enough by yourself. I mean, how many movies, how many songs, how many uh, Vogue and Cosmopolitans do we have to read that basically say you're doing the prep work to find the one or the job or the, the secret that has you feel complete? It's not just you forgetting. It's society continually bombards you with messages that you're screwed up without a partner, that you're not enough. So in it, we like we swim in it. We're like fish inside a sea of... I call it uh, a society of disapproval. We live in this disapproval that you're not enough just by yourself. Okay, so that's the first thing. To answer your question about the when is jealousy toxic, so my viewpoint is the other person is not responsible for your jealousy. So if I'm in partnership and she's doing stuff that has me feel jealousy, it's not her fault. She can provide the stimuli, the experience, the motivation for jealousy, but ultimately jealousy is my responsibility and how I respond to it is certainly my responsibility. When I'm feeling jealous, I've learned after many years of practice, I also, I also want to continue to remind people that I've been working on this for 18 years so when I started, I was an insane fool. I can tell you stories later if you want. But I yeah. was insane. Okay. 
So after 18 years, when I feel jealous, I use that as a wake-up call that there's something going on with me. Like when I was doing CrossFit, I did CrossFit for about a year, and there were guys that could just do things way beyond my ability. I mean, they were in their 20s and doing CrossFit for years and athletes, and I was a little overweight. I was a lot of shape, and I felt deathly jealous. I felt uh, insanely jealous of their skill set. But instead of being imprisoned by it, I worked harder in that gym. I befriended them. I learned from them. They motivated me. They were my, they were my encouragement for me to go there, you know, three or four times a week and keep working out. So to me, jealousy is is positive. Jealousy is some wake up call that says to me, I am not at my top form. If I'm feeling jealous about my partner because she's flirting with some guy. Okay, what is it about me? Am I not paying enough attention to my wants? Am I not paying enough attention to her? Is she getting lit up because I'm not spending enough time focusing on our sex life? To me, it's a really important message. It's a wake-up call from the universe saying, get off your laurels, get off your ass, and do something. I love that. Um... We always tell in our show that take notes <laughs> because all our speakers are amazing and I love to learn from everyone and I love when you, oh my god, we bring so much peace in so many levels that you have no idea because um, we understand that many emotions, uh, we are responsible of what we do with emotions that we are triggered, you know, we were responsible. I, I love the whole aspect of self-radical responsibility where, okay, if I'm feeling jealous, if I'm feeling upset, if I'm feeling frustrated, if I'm feeling possessive, I am responsible how I respond, react, and interact, right, like what actions I take. Um, and it's it, it beautiful to hear that when we can take that jealousy or that emotion, it, which we, you know, society or ourselves, we consider as negative, and we let it, we let it be free to f be felt and allow you to inspire you and use that for, for your greatness and use the jealousy as a wake up, you know, tool that you said and help you to let it motivate you, let you see what you need to do to get your ass together <laughs> and, and, and stop imprisoning you. I, I really thank you for bringing that into, into awareness and not just our awareness, but also to to dive deeper within yourself and allow yourself to be okay with feeling jealous. I, uh, I know that you're going to share your, I, want, I really want you to share your story. But even in the business uh, of, you know, of the field of work and coaching and everything, sometimes you feel jealous of, of other people's success, right? Like, and, and, and you feel jealous and, and then you start like sabotaging yourself more and more because now you're not just jealous, but you're comparing, but, now you let them imprison you, like you said, instead of like, oh, okay, I'm feeling this energy of jealousy. Okay, let me see where I'm not really playing my, my fullest, where, where I'm not applying all my tools and my skills and move forward. And we let that jealousy become toxic. Mm -hmm. And yeah, that's kind of cool. Thank you. That, that was beautiful. So share your story. I want to hear that. Well, two stories. And I'll, I'll, I'll dovetail over your last comment. So... There's a woman, Elizabeth D'Alto, who has uh, Untame Yourself. I don't know if you run into her, but she's an amazing person you should definitely interview on your show. Um, Elizabeth, D'Alto. Elizabeth D'Alto, Untame Yourself. She's okay. like, boy, she's awesome. Anyway, my buddy, um, John Wineland, who's another amazing teacher, uh, was on her show. And I was listening to, and I was like, why does John get to be on the show? I, I, like, I want to be on Elizabeth's show, and we're friends. And so then I sent her a message and I just said, I was just finished listening to your awesome podcast with John Wyland. I'm jealous. I want to be on your show. And she laughed and she said, okay, let's get you on the show. And it was a great, you know, uh, she did my show, Tough Love. I did her show. And it, but it was really that moment of jealousy. And I could just be like, damn you, Wyland. Or, you know, why isn't Liz? I could, I could go into that victim place 
Instead, I got off my ass. I went to my Facebook Messenger. I sent her a note. And within a month, you know, I was on the show. And so jealousy is a right feeling. It's an important feeling. It's like in a relationship, when you stop feeling jealous, that's actually a time to look at there's something off around your relationship. It's it's a it's like you when you touch a hot stove, your fingers burn. That's for your safety and your protection. When jealousy arises in your relationship, that's a notification. It's an empowering tool for you to know that something's off. Okay, so my story. So I I was pretty much really normal until I was around 28. I call myself normal. I you know I was living a yuppie life. I was living the American dream. And but at the same time, I had a I was married and I had a very rich fantasy life. I was a very sexual being, but I was hidden. And I and the form of what I did was I was really into porn. Now this was 1998, so there wasn't video. I mean, you could go to a video store and get porn, but you know the the on the internet there was no down. You know, you couldn't download anything. And so what I lived in was in stories. I lived in there was a a news group called alt sex stories that I lived in. And my fantasy life was really built around, you know, these stories anyway. So a whole bunch of things happened to a point where my wife and I, Carol, my ex-wife at the time, my ex-wife now, but my wife at the time, Carol started diving in to the world of sexuality. We went to a swingers club, which was awful. Uh, we started taking workshops and in the workshops with this group called the welcome consensus, uh, the the guy in charge of it and my wife got really intimate and really close. And he put a lot of attention on her and she felt a lot of turn on with him. And so I, and I was really new. And so I felt this incredible rage of jealousy because I felt so small compared to him. I felt so inept when I was, you know, it was true. He was a master at man-woman dynamics and I was a newbie. And so I have this memory of, Driving in San Francisco. In San Francisco, there's this thing called the Great Highway, which is all the way west of the city by the water, by Ocean Beach. And I was driving my little scooter, and I remember feeling so jealous that the bus was coming the opposite direction. And I was doing the math in my head of what angle I would have to take to turn my scooter to, to be under the front wheel of the bus. And I'm not kidding. I was actually doing it. It was not a, I'm not a suicidal person. I've never really had suicidal thoughts, but the rage of jealousy was so intense that I was actually doing the math of how to do that. Now, of course, a second later, the bus passed, I drove. I was never close to actually doing it, but I'll never forget the intensity of that feeling. And so when I coach and teach people around jealousy, I can basically say, I get it. It is... A, is a feeling beyond our our control. It is so uncomfortable to feel so much sensation in our body. And all I can say is when you feel that that rage of jealousy, you know, just feel it. Don't act on it. Just feel it because it will pass. You will return to sanity. You will feel um, yourself again, but you have to hold on and stay focused. And um, it was such an important lesson for me in terms of the power of jealousy and not to um, underestimate it. Just feel it. And I would say that um, I feel like so many people are scared of feeling um, because in society, I feel like we have disconnected ourselves from our body we have felt disconnected from our energy. We have right. felt disconnected from our mind. We have felt disconnected from everything. And that's what we feel incomplete, right? And and just feeling it, when people start feeling it, even in the sexual act of experiencing an orgasm, like, you know, even like the orgasmic energy, I, in my own experience um, of diving into the feeling of it, of just allowing ourselves to feel, feel and surrender to the feeling can be very scary for many right. people right and yeah, I mean, go ahead well i mean so here there's a couple of thoughts so first is most men not all men but most men are actually trained 
to have very small amplitudes of, of acceptable sensation. So if you think about, you go back to your high school math class or your high school science class, there was those sinusoidal waves that go up and down. You have your kind of flat line status quo and then you go up and down, like small, small peaks and small valleys of what we live our life. And then what happens if you if you're engaged with a dynamic woman, if you're lucky to engage with a dynamic woman, she's the one who's going to bring your 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 peaks and valleys to increase significantly. You're going to have the best moments of your life when you're, you know, having fun with her and you might have some of the worst moments of your life when you're fighting or jealous or she's not acting the way you want. And so what people do to each other is we move we move ourselves from our status quo. We move ourselves from what's comfortable, from our acceptable range. What happens is if you actually surrender to it, if you engage with it, then you actually can train your system to be more comfortable in the highest highs and the lowest lows. So another example would be if you never rode a roller coaster and you go on a small roller coaster, your body's like, ah, you're going up and down and up and down. And you're like, oh, that was fun. Let's do it in the next one. And you go one level up and you're like, oh my God, that was crazy. And then you do, let's do another one. And then you're actually increasing your range of how much sensation you can feel. Now, what some people do, especially in terms of non-monogamy, is they jump on the highest, hardest roller coaster on the first time. And then they're scared to death, they throw up, or they like, I'm never gonna do that again. If you make expanding your range of acceptable sensation as a practice and slowly and deliberately move into it, then it's much easier. Rather than what we most do is we just jump in, we swing for the fences, we go all out, and then we we get sick, and then we're like, well, that was horrible, I'll never wanna do that again. I did that in the beginning with my ex-wife. You know, we threw ourselves into really intense situations, and it was right, and it, it made me into the man I am today. But when I counsel people and couples who want to explore different avenues of their sexuality, the main thing I say is go slow, talk more, listen more, be in partnership, and do this together. Rather than I'm going to go you know, have sex with someone right away and blow the other partner out. It's not a good idea. So go slow, talk more, listen more, be in partnership, and do this together. Yep. When you're exploring uh, sexuality and deeper level. <laughs> I mean, you have to understand that people have fear of abandonment is an intense, intense fear for most people. They they are afraid. I'm going to end up alone. I'm going to end up alone under a bridge without any money, homeless, and die. That's like inherent fear that people have or some version of it <clears throat> excuse me so if you can actually if you want to explore your sexuality if you want to open things up and you want to do that with your partner you have to take into effect or, or in your mindset that the feeling of safety is uber important especially more for women women's requirement for safety is significantly more most cases than men. Men are like, all right, I'm going to jump out of the plane with a knife between my teeth and I'm just going to see what happens. Women aren't like that. They need to feel safe. They need to feel secure. And so if you can do that in partnership, like I said, slowly in communication, then the chances of success for you guys to have a pleasurable experience and when jealousy does arise, it's safe, then um, you can keep expanding your range of what's possible. And what is for the men? For women, is like feeling safe. And what it is for the men? Well, men have a different, um, a different. Again, these are um, stereotypes. So just know, I want to acknowledge that there's some men aren't like this at all, and some men are super like this. So just understand that if you're a man listening, that doesn't sound like me. I know that, but most men um, have possessive issues, possession issues. They're taught that their women are their property. 
That is just, that is not their fault. That is a societal meme that says that if another man is looking at your woman, that they're property. Now, women have this too, but to a lesser degree. So just to know this. The second thing about men is uh, men find their value from their production. Women find their value from their attractiveness. So if a man looks at another man who's producing more for his woman, he's going to feel tweaked. He's going to feel jealous. And especially in the bedroom, we're all supposed to be sexual superstars. If another man can please your woman, that's insanity for a man. Just know that. So, and that's just the human baseline emotion. Now, I'm not saying any of this is easy, but if you can actually get into agreement, if you can actually look at, oh, if a man, if a man pleases my woman, I look at that like as an opportunity, one, for me to learn something, for my woman to have an experience that I cannot provide, which makes her life richer, and it'll actually turn her on more, make her happy, which will make me happy and turn me on more in the end. I love this. I really, 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 really love this. <laughs> Thank you. This is awesome. I don't know, I'm like giggling, like my whole body just feeling like, although, you know, like I'm ecstatic because there's so much confirmation, but also there's so much, um, there's so much truth to it because, you know, it's like, it's like finally somebody's saying it loud here and, and you know, and just I'm like, wow, it's just feel cool. So women find value through attractiveness and men find value through producing, which it kind of like explains a lot, like explain yeah. a lot why women react in one way and we may feel insecure when a man look at somebody else like that look hotter than us or something like that. And even, uh, even how society market women to the whole aspect you know, of attractiveness, uh, we have to look beautiful, you have to um, look this way and and dress this way and wear this and the whole whole marketing toward women. And it's true, like it's all about attractiveness. And and then when you see the marketing to a man, it's all about like what they produce, like what are they bringing home, what are they producing. Uh, and that's why I feel like in, in my experience, and uh, I feel like so many um, also, you know, we have burned, you know, the women and we have burned the men and, and, and the men. And like, I feel that like there's um, a lack of honoring and respect and this pressure to women about performance. Mm -hmm. And which is very harmful. And I feel like that's what, to me, that's one of the majors, um, I would say like, Libido killers, like you know, giving putting the man into that pressure of that pressure of a performance, it can kill the libido and, and can kill the sexual drive. Totally. If first you don't mind, I like to just give credit where a lot of these viewpoints are coming from. Uh, mm -hmm. There was a group in Northern California called Moore University. A guy named Dr. Victor Barranco came up with a lot of these viewpoints. I hate when. Um, I don't give credit where credit is due because I've learned from them and I've, uh, I just want to give credit. A lot also comes from my ex-partner, business partner, Nicole Daydone of One Taste. Um, I learned a lot of these things from her and then a few of them are my own. So, you know, it doesn't matter which is which, but I definitely want to give credit where credit is due. Um, so the, the thing is, like men are under a lot of pressure and it is, it is getting worse on some level. And so we live in a society now where there's a, there's a swipe left and swipe right ability. Whereas in the past before, when you found a partner, and we're talking 20, 20 years ago, 25 years ago, when you found a partner and things went awry, there was a tendency to want to work it out more. There was more tendency to actually, once you invested, to invest more time. Sometimes to the detriment, we were staying too long. But I'm just saying there was more um, opportunity. We now live in a, in, a, in a society where if something's not working out on the date in the morning, you could go to your phone, swipe right, and be on another date within an hour. And a lot of people do that. I mean, it's just insane. 
the opportunity to not invest, to have surface level relationships compared to the depth of where it was even 10 years ago. Okay, so that's where society is going. The, the thing about pressure on men is that no one teaches you how to be good in bed. I mean, it's not like a class you can take in high school. You can't talk about it with your friends. You, you can't discuss it. You, there's millions of books out there, but most of the books and magazines basically saying what you're doing wrong. The only way to learn a skill is actually you can't read a skill. You actually have to do it in practice. If you don't have a partner who approves of you in the beginning state of your learning to sex or to make out, then you build up your own sexual shame, which already existed before the actual thing. And so most men walk around with, an, with this feeling of inadequacy. Either I'm not going to last long enough, I'm not going to maintain my erection, or the woman's going to fake it. And we live in a society where you don't really know the truth. So there's a lot of pressure to be someone. And then you, we watch movies, we watch porn. Oh my God, get me started on porn and how that's messed up men's education around sexuality. Men do not learn sexuality from porn, please. It is not true. Anyway, the point is, is that there's very few resources out there, and there are some, but there's very few resources out there that have you learn to communicate around your sexuality. My, my belief system is to create a space where my partner can say, when you did this, I didn't like it as much when you did that. Or would you slow down? Or would you speed up? Or would you not do that at all? Or I don't like that. Most women will sit in a sexual act Think really hard. Stop that. Stop that. Stop that. Stop that. Thinking the man has some mental telepathy to read her discomfort. Most men are not trained to understand women's subtle cues. The man will keep going. The woman just thinks, I can't wait to get out of here, and then never educate the men, which leads to society of angry men, I'm sorry, angry women and dumb men, men who are not educated on how to please a woman which adds to their inadequacy. The greatest thing you can do for your partner is to tell them the truth. Tell them the truth in the moment, tell them the truth without anger, and educate your partner on what you like and don't like. I'm picking out. Okay. Take your notes. The greatest thing you can do for your partner is to tell them the truth. Um, and also we all, without putting them down, right? Like making them feel like, oh, they're so, you know. And I don't know about the experience because even when I was in my exploration of sexuality with my ex-husband, you know, um, I was new, like he was my first kiss, lover, everything. and. You know, learning sexuality, it was, it was kind of like painful and shameful in so many ways it, it, because I was new, <laughs> I really had practice experience and uh, many times it would become down like, oh, you don't know how to do this, you don't know how to do this, and, and it would put down somebody, which it, it created a lot of trauma, emotional, especially women, I feel like, I mean, men and women would become very, um, like, very, uh, what do you call it? We start resenting all that, and then we start shutting down at a deeper level. And then uh, if we don't clear that patterns and we don't clear that trauma in the relationship itself, whenever we move into another relationship, we, we bring that stuff into the new relationship, and then all those unhealing experiences that uh, the next partner has to deal with. So, so yeah, it's, it's, it's really important to create a great communication regarding that. Ah. Wow, we can dive deep, as deep as we can go. This is, um, this is awesome. So when it comes to um, investing in a relationship, uh, you mentioned that in, in, in time, in, you know, 20 years ago, we used to invest ourselves. You know, we used to take the time and say, I'm going to invest in this and now everybody like swipe left, swipe left, if you don't like it. 
how long do you think somebody um, without you know without damaging themselves can keep investing in themselves and in the relationship before they can choose to move out if, if it's not working for example we have you know we have couples that they come together and they want to do therapy work and then you know the the coaching the work the healing the sexual healing and all that and one putting so much work you know so much investment in it and then the other person not really into it doesn't want to and how much how long do you do you feel that someone could stay in there and then see what happened until they decide to let go of the relationship. Well, I'm going to give you an answer that you might not like, or your listeners might not like, is you can't know. You don't know. It's, it's impossible. Let me, let me back up a track. So we, we view, think about good or bad. How do we view or bad, good or bad? We, we think good or bad in terms of our goals. We think about, we want to make a million dollars if you get a great job that pays you $500,000 a year, well, that's a good thing. There's like a marker. There's a there's sort of a, a way to, to gauge your actions based on your goals. In terms of a relationship, there's very challenging to figure out what's good or bad inside a relationship. And so we create arbitrary markers of what's good or bad or how we stay in a relationship. So in terms of a relationship, it's sort of like, how long do I stay or did I stay too long or did I not stay short enough? It's, it's just total, um, it's arbitrary. You can't decide really until you die. And even when you die, even on your deathbed, when you're looking back at your life and gauging, did I do this right or wrong? That's still fiction. When we're in present moment and we're looking back at the past, that's fiction. That's in our mind judging how our life was. When we look forward to our future and imagine what we want our future to be like, that's fiction as well. There's, it's all based on our perceived reality, our perceived viewpoints on what happened. So if you're in a relationship and you think this is toxic and you get out of it, that's the right thing to do. You're doing it right. doesn't mean you can't do it better. So if you're in relationship and you feel like you're not getting your goals, you have to decide how much you want to invest in it. In other words, some of the some of my relationships, my 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 marriage lasted almost 7 years. Okay? It ended about 6 and a half years. I knew about the 5 year mark that this wasn't working. There was something off in this relationship. And we went through some very intense times. This is not her fault, my fault. It's just the relationship. I knew around five years. But I stayed in another year and a half. But I don't have any negative judgment on that time. Because I learned so much about what I didn't want in relationship. In that last year and a half, I gathered so much. And then my next relationship wasn't quite right. My next relationship, my next five or six relationships was not quite right, but I learned in each one what worked and didn't work. In my present relationship, now I'm 46, right? But in my present relationship, I have such a fine connection to what's right and what works for me and what doesn't work for me that this relationship is so amazing because I can say, if she does this, I could say, wait a minute, that doesn't work for me. I learned this in my past relationship. Can we modulate this to make this more optimal? I am so grateful for all the toxic moments I had in past relationships because now in my present time, I can now judge of what's good and bad for me in present time. I can communicate in the moment. I don't make her wrong. I can just say this doesn't work for me and vice versa. She had a very toxic relationship and she can say to me, this doesn't work for me either. I'm like, oh, well, I can change that. That's no problem. And then we're in partnership for having the most optimal, loving, pleasurable relationship that I ever thought was possible. Beautiful. Mm. So besides jealousy, uh, when you talk about 
90% turn on, 10% exclusion. Do you feel that all those emotions and feelings that we target, you know, that we label them as bad, if we apply, you know, applying this 90% turn on, we will have like such a great life, like a better world. Like we will be creating amazing things in our life without, you know, without suffering and without so much pain. Um, what do you think about that? Like, is, is that that you pretty much with in your practice and your coaching practice? Is that something that you uh, emphasize all the time? Like, look at the twenty, like ninety percent turn on. How can that? How can this experience or this feeling, the emotion? can create a 90% of a turn on to, you know, push it to the next level. Well, I have a, I have a different feel of it. So I understand what you're saying. My, my viewpoint as a coach, if a person wants to feel tortured, they want to feel jealous, they want to feel in pain. I think that's a great thing. I have all those emotions as really positive. I have them as positive because they create growth. Now, I think people should have their feelings and feel right about their feelings until those feelings are done. And then they have the choice of another feeling. So my time, you know, with that thought of driving my scooter into the bus is one of the most precious moments of my life because I saw the depth of my humanity. I saw who I was as a human being. It was such an important life lesson. And I'm as a coach, it's not my job to rob people of these important emotions. I actually want them to feel it, to feel it to their bones so then they can make a choice. Now, if you're looking for more fun, if that's one of your goals, then I wanna educate people, okay, you're focusing on the exclusion, there's a possibility for you to lift your head up from the shit, basically, from the muck, from the mud, and turn your head slightly, and you can see, look at your partner, look how happy she is, or how happy he is, just, Focus on that for a moment. Look how much fun she's having. Just look, remember that you're the one who brought her here. You're the one who's creating the safe space for her to have this experience. Just sit in the gratitude of your own graciousness and your own humanness. Focus on the gratitude. Now, how do you feel? They might skip right back into the exclusion, or they might for a moment, just for a second or two or five or 10, like, wow, she does look happy whoa, that's kind of hot. Wow, what's he doing with his fingers? Like you can actually like, you can like turn into this science experiment. You can turn into this observer and actually feel her turn on, their turn on in your body. Now to, to change the, the scene for a moment, this doesn't have to be a sexual experience. You can get jealous about anything. You can get jealous about your wife's best friend and the intimacy they have, not sexual intimacy, just the emotional intimacy. You can be jealous about your wife's success at business. Some, you know, it's happening a lot that women are more successful uh, partner in a relationship. You could be happy for your wife's success. <clears throat> it's just your choice that has you keep yourself in minimizing yourself. So you can lift your head up, turn, and see the pleasure and then change your whole viewpoint. That's what I teach people how to do, is just give people the choice to see that there's something else that they're not seeing if they're stuck in exclusion. Much, uh, pretty much when um, um, when a Spanish mentor, uh, Enrique Cordovez talks about being disturbing, like to be observer um, and allow yourself to just observe Yep. and dive into that the bliss of being in the servant without the judgment and and just feel it just feel yep. it and observe and be like oh this is kind of fun this is exciting yep. awesome we covered a lot today and um i really feel like everyone should be re-listening to this again <laughs> maybe two or three times <laughs> uh to really sink in into it and um so one of the few things I got, I, I got so much, but the thing that the highlights that I want to uh, point out is about that we are responsible of of our jealousy and how we act and interact with it and how we respond and also use jealousy to empower us in, in so many le uh, levels. Uh, don't let it make it make you prisoner in your own skin. Um, 
allow jealousy to motivate you to let you see what you need to do maybe what you're not doing and uh, why you're not getting out of your ass and getting you know investing more in yourself and your relationship to achieve what you desire but also to to learn to go in the whole um when you're talking about the wave like go in the wild coaster like Take baby step, go slow. Uh, when you want to explore sexuality at a deeper level, um, learn to go uh, into the small ride first before you jump into the biggest ride that's going to give you a headache and you're going to vomit at the end. And then you're going to be so scared and don't want to do it again. So try to go in this, the very small ride first and then go your way up. So rather share, share that to explore sexuality is about going slow, with your partner and a deeper level in different realms uh, to go slow, talk more, listen more, be in partnership and do this together to create that safe container for you to to dive deeper into the realm of the delicious, you know, this delicious life. And, um, and yes, and invest yourself, invest in your relationship and allow yourself to practice. Um, I love what you said about lead a skill and practice, um, which I took of that from uh, was, if you don't know something and just allow yourself to ask questions, but practice it because you can find, you know, the, the answer you're gonna find in the practice, I believe, more than just reading books and books and books mm-hmm. in the doing it where you find uh, the wisdom and the knowledge. Um, yeah, so much. So anything else that you want to add to, to everything that we talked before we wrap it up and, and share where we can find you, uh, if you have any event coming up, any retreat, any online program, yeah, we would like to hear more of what you have going on. Sure. Um, well, the last thing I want to say is just remember to be nice to yourself. Just remember to be nice to your partner. Be nice. You know, I had a, you know, again, more university teacher, you know, be nice, be nice to who you're, you are. <clears throat> I mean, if, especially if you're going to go off the beaten path and off the status quo, it's challenging. You're going to run into parts of yourself you might not want to see. If you start to do plant medicine, if you start to, to explore different ways of uh, work or employment, you're going you're gonna to face your own viewpoints of how you're not doing it right. You are doing it right. And your willingness to, to be nice to yourself will make the whole process better. Laugh at your mistakes. When you fall out of the yoga pose, just laugh and enjoy and be proud that you're willing to step off the status quo. So that's always my pitch is just be nice. The best way to find me is via my podcast, which is every Thursday. Thursday, it's a live coaching call at 10 a.m. PST. Uh, I do a topic. Every week is different. I do things around relationship, jealousy, non-monogamy. I also do things around purpose, uh, men's sexual shame. I did a couple weeks on traveling. Um, I have guests every week or so. Um, So uh, the point is, is really, uh, you can come visit me. Um, I have an archive at toughlove.live. That's T-U-F-F love.live. I'm always open to doing other people's podcasts. I love being interviewed or talks. I'm always willing to travel. My next thing I'm teaching is lightning in the bottle. Uh, I just got confirmed for that. That's in California. It's an incredible music festival in Memorial Day. Um, I've applied to Lucidity. We'll see what happens there. And I'm always available to talk on a podcast. So please feel free to contact me. Uh, my information, again, is at toughlove.live, T-U-F-F, love.live. Awesome. Yay. And hopefully we have the pleasure to collaborate with you in future um other you know online uh, events but also uh we're planning here to create a relationship um like immersion four days immersion for people to really dive into um the whole healing of the relationship the centrality the sexuality and all that stuff so i would love um for you to collaborate with us in the future if that's in alignment with you but it will be so nice to have you because we got so much out of you today and Thank you for the gift that you bring to uh, the planet and to all your client. Uh, I was going to ask you in your podcast when you talk about uh, is a life coaching um, experience. How is that? You talk about a topic and then you have people come and ask you questions and you coach them right on it. Or yeah. how does that work? 
It's a 40-minute call. It's mm -hmm. deliberately 40 minutes. The first 20 minutes is a rant. I call it a rant on some topic. And it's a rant. I just basically go for it. It is like sometimes I'm talking so fast, uh, it's, it's insane. So I just pick a topic and I rant for 20 minutes. Then we, we, we take a deliberate break. We shake it off. You know, we do a little, a little Taylor Swift, shake it off. And then we have someone come on the phone and I coach them on a topic or a similar topic for 20 minutes and give them some tough love. Tough love is defined as uh, the truth, the, just the raw truth without any sugar coating. It's with approval, but it's also the truth. So if someone can't see something, it's my job as a coach to point out what I see. So we have a live coaching call and in 40 minutes, that's it. We're done. Fastest 40 minutes of my week. Wow. Awesome. I love that. So tough love by life. Yes. Awesome. Thank you so much, uh, Robert, again, for taking the time and to be here. I really appreciate you. And yeah, thank you. So thank you, everyone, for watching today. I really appreciate for taking the time to learn, to grow, and to roll more into who you really are, and to listen to our speakers, which are amazing. And we are bringing more and more amazing uh, mentors and coaches of this realm of love, relationships, and sexuality and sexuality into this show because we really want to help everyone to have awesome, amazing, authentic relationship with themselves and everyone else. So thank you for watching today. I see you next time. Have a blessed, amazing day. Bye. Bye.